We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you as always by DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is the leader in daily fantasy sports. Be sure to use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit on DraftKings for a free contest entry today. 
It is Wednesday, September 16th, week two of the NFL season on the horizon already. It seems like week one yeah. just ended. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always, as I am on Wednesdays, by the wonderful and talented Mike Doria. Mike, of course, is our NFL editor for rotowire.com. How's it going, Mike? How'd your leagues go this what, week? Well, wonderful and talented. Thanks, uh, Nick. Um, are you, like, uh, <laughs> trying to get a raise or something? What? No, of course not. All Never right. do that. So what was the question? The question was, how, well, first, how's it going? We'll good, start there. Good. So yep, it's going thanks. good. And how are your leagues this past week? Well, in my uh, season-long leagues, 4-1, and one, um, generally did pretty good. A little bit of uh, Deshaun Jackson pain there and some Eddie Royal pain, but overall, uh, not bad. Um, Doug Martin, I invested heavily in him. That wasn't the greatest week one ever, but it, you know, he's getting the majority of the touches there, and uh, you know that's better than um, you know the alternative, which would have been either him hurt or Charles Sims suddenly getting all the, the touches or something like that. But um, week one, you know what week one's all about, Nick? What is that? Overreacting to everything. It's it's just been a multitude of overreactions on TV. In the office, the Bills are going to the Super Bowl at the you know at the local bars, yep. um, and that that truly applies to fantasy. And there's a lot there's a lot of people that are like getting ready to like cut bait with Calvin Johnson and uh, put Marcus Mariota in the Hall of Fame and all kinds of topsy turvy things that we mm-hmm. can talk about. But um, no doubt there's going to be a lot of correction here in Week Two, and uh, especially in daily lineups, that's uh, that's where you can get some value. You know, I mean. Not, the the price structure may not have you know changed that much um, you know for the stable guys but but uh, but now that uh, you know games have started there's no there, there's probably not as many of those random like Alfred Blue at the the high discount rate so definitely check out the uh, the prices on DraftKings and um, you know for your daily lineups and then uh, check the uh, injury report and RotoWire for uh, you know the, the lineup decisions in the uh, in the uh, season long stuff. Yeah, like you said, a guy like Devonte Adams isn't going to be nearly as low priced as he was in Week One. Obviously, those values were set, um, you know, well back I think in early August. So basically, what what DraftKings and other sites can do now is adjust by Week One performance, by you know the trends that they saw in Week One. So the pricing is going to be quite a bit different for a lot of guys, um, and obviously, you know, a lot of the stud guys will remain um, high priced. So there will be some continuity there. I went two and one in my leagues this week. The league I was oh, most confident. I didn't confident. even ask. No, how, well, I was just going to talk about it either way. Now, how All selfish right. of me to talk about it? Um, Telepathically, I, I was right. I can tell out, you were wondering. Sending out the vibe, Nick. Mm-hmm. How did you do? Yeah, I took down uh, another wonderful and talented RotoWire guy, Clay Link, in our office league. Um, he, he had a little bit of a rough draft, um, as I did in that league. This is this is my TJ Yeldon, Denard Robinson backfield league. But ah, yes. luckily enough, I was able to grab Benny Cunningham at the last second. Uh, Sunday yeah, morning. Yeah, he was a. We mentioned him on this podcast a few weeks ago as a we safety did. sleeper, and and he did exactly what we thought he would. He didn't do much on the ground, but I think he had four catches for something close to seventy yards. So he ended up being a much better value than Denard Robinson or T.J. Yeldon. Actually, I mean, when, when you think about it, uh, who had more points in Week One, Benny Cunningham or Adrian Peterson? Benny Cunningham. Welcome to fantasy. Exactly, exactly. All right, so what, what we're going to do on every Wednesday podcast throughout the season, and uh, this past Wednesday was really the first one that we've been able to do this is just go through the injury reports. You know, Wednesday's the big day when every team, most teams, we should say, if they're not playing on Monday night, release their injury report. Uh, still a lot of things up in the air, but you start to get a better picture on Wednesday as teams really go full speed in preparation for the next week. Yeah, you, would get, you at least get the initial feel for, you know, where a player may be headed and obviously you need to follow, follow through the rest of the week, Thursday, Friday, 
when the official report mm-hmm. is out. But uh, I mean, in most cases today, I, I already have a relatively strong feeling about which way the the player is going to go. So let's uh, you know let's get let's get going on that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before we do get going on that, just a reminder that the podcast and all of our RotoWire podcasts are now available for subscription on both iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave us a nice review on either of those platforms if you happen to be listening there. You can also stream them straight from the RotoWire site. That's ac- that's accessible via mobile, um, and you can download the MP3s straight from the, the RotoWire site as well, and just you know put those in in any of your your music libraries and listen to them on the go without any Wi-Fi or data usage. So a lot of ways to listen to us, a lot of ways to listen to all the RotoWire podcast. So let's get into the injuries. We'll start in the NFC this week. I think we start in the AFC, so we'll, we'll give a little bit of a, a spotlight to the NFC first. And we'll begin out east with the Redskins. Not a lot to look at here, but one major injury suffered in week one. That was Deshaun Jackson. He went down early in that game. Looked like he was basically just running a go route down the sideline and, and pulled up with a hamstring injury. Looked to be in a lot of pain on the sidelines. And now we're looking at three to four weeks for him. Yeah, that's a tough one there. I mean, he um, he was definitely slowed during the uh, the preseason with the shoulder issue. And I don't know if his you know missed time or reps as a result of the shoulder injury contributed at all to the... Uh, the hamstring um, woe there, but uh, as far as I know, uh, I don't know that necessarily that Jackson has a, a history of hamstring injuries. But he does—he is the uh, kind of a slightly built guy who does seem to, you know, absorb hits and get banged up. And um, you know, even though I owned him in a couple of leagues, I got him at what I thought was good value. I, I always—I kind of like thought to myself, "Yeah, he's a bit of an injury risk." And then, sure enough, early on in week one, out three to four weeks. And I guess it's kind of uh, Andre Roberts' time. I don't know. I mean, Pierre Garçon. Pierre Garçon's going to pick up some extra targets, uh, which uh, I mean, I'm, I don't expect him to get back to his levels of two years ago when Pierre Garçon was had like nine million targets mm-hmm. and uh, four point five million catches. But uh, it's probably good news for his, you know, short term fantasy value. Maybe yeah. maybe Jordan Reed catch some extra passes maybe they throw rg3 out at receiver and we never know at this point yeah uh, but yeah that that offense is not looking very good i'll say that i'm not intrigued by them heading into uh, a matchup with with uh, st louis which just shut down seattle uh in week one so not a great matchup for the redskins if you're in a survivor pool i would imagine that the redskins hosting st louis is going to be a pretty popular pick this week all right next team in the nfc east the philadelphia eagles they host dallas this week after a loss to Atlanta on the road in the first of the two Monday night games in week one. Sam Bradford's a little banged up with an ankle injury. Don't really remember this happening at all, watching the game on Monday. Uh, doesn't really look like anything that's going to cost him any time. Well, I mean, you look at today's injury report, Bradford's name's not on it. Um, you know, he's, he was coming off the uh, the knee, and I mean, I guess we're talking about his ankle now instead of his knee. So in a way, that's that's good news, the, the, the fact that he was a little bit banged up, maybe tweaked his ankle in week one but uh yeah I mean it wasn't the greatest uh you know week one for the Eagles and everybody expected that offense to just roll but you know it was his first regular season start they definitely have some weapons you know especially at wide out um I I think they'll be okay um yeah and basically as long as Bradford's knee holds up and uh, he's you know two-time uh ACL loser so you know Good luck to him. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't make it an even three. 52 pass attempts for Bradford in this one, and obviously Philadelphia was playing from behind for nearly the entire game, so that had a lot to do with it. But a lot to like about this Eagles offense, even after a week one loss. One of the weapons um, that we haven't mentioned, Zach Ertz, 
he played 70% of the snaps in week one after being listed as a game time call with a groin injury. So it looks like he's going to be good to go going forward. And, and he looked pretty healthy out there running around Monday night. Yeah. I mean, he didn't like, you know, put up awesome numbers by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, the fact that he was able to bounce back from that core surgery in such a timely fashion, you know, like you said, getting 70% of the snaps in week one, um, you know, you're looking around for maybe a tight end for week two. He's definitely an option. All right, the New York Giants, they move on after losing in very New York Giants fashion on Sunday night against Dallas. Um, the big name for them that we're really watching out for, and the only name uh, of real concern on the offensive side of the ball, at least on the injury report, is Victor Cruz. Sounded like he had been talking all preseason, like he was aiming for week one. He didn't play, and now it sounds like he might not be back until week four. Yeah, I mean, I think we we talked about the timetable. You know, the, the Giants schedule just does not – you know, it's not friendly for there's a there's three three games three games in, the, in twelve days. In, I think. Yeah, and um, yeah, at this at this stage, I don't think they're they'd be wise to rush him back. And um, I mean, they they do have you know Odell Beckham, Ruben Randall. You know, they're they weren't necessarily the problem in week one. I mean, I'm sure that by by Wednesday, we've already talked about the Giants' uh, inept play calling at the end of the game, um, but. You know they'll bounce back, um, and when Victor Cruz is finally back on the field, we'll see what he does. But uh, I think anything you get from him before like week six is a bonus. Do you think the Giants are regretting cutting James Jones? Uh, yeah, that was like probably the greatest mistake in franchise history. Uh, very well, might be. All right, so the Dallas Cowboys finishing out the NFC East. They're in Philadelphia this Sunday. Tony Romo didn't practice. This is probably going to be the routine for most of the season. It was for a lot of last season. He didn't practice last Wednesday. So don't freak out if you see Tony Romo sitting out practice on Wednesdays. Just a rest and a, and a maintenance thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he eventually eventually there'll be some sort of uh, ache or pain that uh, justifies it. But right now it's just kind of standard op- operating procedure there. So the big news after the, the, Dal- the thrilling comeback, I guess, on Sunday that Dallas had executing a drive and no timeouts for the winning touchdown – they did all that without Des Bryant. He was somewhat of a non-factor in this game, ended up leaving early with a broken foot. Um, and now we learn later that it's a Jones fracture. And I don't know how closely you follow the NBA, but that's the same injury that has kept Kevin Durant sidelined intermittently for the last basically year and a half. Missed a ton of this past season. It's a scary injury, something yeah. that's very, very liable to be re-injured if you don't let it heal completely. So initially they give Des a four- to six-week timetable. And then, you know, the next morning, all of a sudden it sounds like maybe it's going to be closer to six weeks. And now there's suggestions that it could be closer to eight weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still in the four- to eight-week range there. But, um, you know, foot injuries are never a good thing for any athlete that has to jump and land hard. And obviously in the NBA, that's of critical importance. But for a wideout, that's that's also pretty important. And um, one thing uh, I found a little bit strange, and I'm, I'm sure you did too, was that after the game, you know, Des in the hallway, uh, you know, not wearing too much, but more importantly, he's he's you know high fiving people walking around the hallway, he, on his foot, not in a walking boot. I would have found that surprising if it was anybody but Des Bryant. I mean, cr- you know, give him some crutches or a walking boot so he can go out. But you and could, do it his was high funny fives. because you could tell, you know, at first he's by himself in the tunnel, kind of you know getting psyched up after the game, high fiving everybody, and you can see trainers kind of like wanted to come up to him and be like. Probably shouldn't do this. Des, but your foot. Like, but good luck telling Des Bryant not what what to do yeah, at this point. Calm so. down, Des. Uh, right. you, you have a broken foot, or your your foot's messed up. But yeah, yeah that that's I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, had they assessed his foot to the point where, like, yeah, Des, you know, 
it is what it is. You're not going to hurt it worse by walking around on it. But that just seemed kind of off. Yeah, yeah, it did. It certainly didn't help the situation. I don't think he, I'm not suggesting that he re-injured it anymore at that point. But yeah, interesting that the Cowboys would allow him to even get out there, I guess. So the big news, you know, surrounding Dez is who steps up now. I know Terrence Williams has moved into the top 15 in Jeff Erickson's Rotowire value meter this week. I don't think that's too surprising. This is still a pretty good Dallas offense, a good quarterback in Tony Romo, a decent running situation, and obviously a great line. So losing Dez is huge for Dallas as a team. You know, they have a tough schedule coming up over these next six, seven weeks. But if you're a Terrence Williams owner, this is great news. I mean, Terrence Williams, for sure. He's, he, you know, Dallas can tend to be a rather high-volume uh, passing game there. But let's not forget about Jason Witten. You know, there was a lot of, like, this is the year the wheels fall off on Jason Witten. And, um, you know, he wasn't really considered an elite tight end. You know, he's pretty, pretty uh, low, you know, rather lowly drafted in a lot of uh, the formats that I saw. And uh, I think, you know, with Dez out, as long as Witten can stay healthy, he's going he's gonna to get a lot of targets. Now, Williams, yeah, he'll absorb some. Cole Beasley, I think he's just going to do what Cole Beasley does, you know, out of the slot. Might, might see, if, you know, some extra targets there. Uh, maybe Dunbar sees more passes out of the backfield. Not really sure about Devin Street or uh, Bryce Butler, who they acquired in a trade. I mean, both of those guys have some decent size and whatnot, but definitely wait and see on them. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, out of, um, you know, once the you get past the obvious Terrence Williams thing, um, maybe Jason Witten is a nice, uh, you know, fantasy play in, uh, in, in daily formats. Yeah, and if you're yeah, in daily formats and if you're, if you're in a shallower league where he maybe got passed over this year, like you said, definitely a guy to target. Moving to the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers, fresh off a week one win in the big cat bowl over the Jaguars. They now face another AFC South opponent, Houston, at home in Week 2. Jonathan Stewart, Carolina's starting running back, held out of practice Wednesday. It sounds like it's just a rest day, but he might have a bit of a a knee issue. I mean, that's what it's uh, designated as on the injury report. But uh, based on the comments of uh, Coach Ron Rivera, it's it's being portrayed as a rest day. Um, I mean, Jonathan Stewart, he has a pretty sort of Darren McFadden light (laughs) injury history. Um, you know, maybe not with, you know, so much the hamstrings and stuff, but he, he's been a frequent visitor to the injury report. I don't, I don't think this is anything to really get too concerned about at the moment, but you know, D'Angelo Williams isn't around there anymore. So it's time to like, start thinking about guys like Fozzie Whitaker and artist Payne and whatnot. Um, but it looks like, uh, Stewart's probably going to go this week uh, as long as there's a quick return to practice there. Uh, from a quick IDP perspective, Luke Keekley still in the NFL concussion protocol. Kind of a scary injury for him. He, he kind of speared his head into a, a Jacksonville Jaguars player um, on a tackle attempt. You know, ended up kind of tilting back and forth and then kind of falling to the ground. And so, like I said, a pretty scary injury. And then I don't know if you if you saw this live. I happened to be watching the Jags game on another screen. Of course, of course, yeah. And uh, believe it or not, I, at, at the Packers watch party I was at, they made me watch it on my laptop. Couldn't put it on the big screen. Wow. Um, yeah, ridiculous, right? Um, but yeah, what happened was Keekley went down and, you know, the training staff rushes out and the trainer tripped over his feet and like, you know, out of, out of instinct, like fell onto Keekley and knocked his helmet off and like jarred his neck as after he had just suffered a yeah, concussion. So compounding matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Adding insult to injury there for sure. So, you know, if you're in an IDP league, Keekley's obviously a very valuable player in a format like that. So something to keep an eye on. I just wanted to ask you quickly before we move on about this Panthers offense. I mean, Cam Newton's obviously a very valuable quarterback for what he brings on the ground, but 
they didn't look very good against a, a pretty average Jaguars defense and a pretty terrible Jags offense that kept the Carolina offense on the field quite a bit. Obviously, the receiving core is a huge issue, but almost the bigger issue is Greg Olson, considered by a lot of people to be a top-five tight end this year, only one catch. Yeah, I mean, that you can put Greg Olson into the, uh, the, the overreaction category there. I'm not, like, you know, trying to call you out on that or anything like that, but, you know, the guy had one catch for 11 yards. I mean, he is going to see his share of targets going forward. Um, Devin Funches didn't really do much in uh, week one. I think he might have got one catch for nine yards, maybe. Something like that. And then the two so-called starting wideouts, uh, Ted Ginn and Philly Brown, two catches each. Yeah, when you when you talk about an unproven rookie, you know, albeit one with some good size and upside, and then Ted Ginn and Philly Brown as the the top wideouts. That's, that's um, gross. Actually, Jer- Jericho Cotri yeah. uh, resurfaced. Uh, I, I'm not saying that he's gonna. Re, you know, rekindle the magic that he that he did uh, back when he was with the Steelers, and he randomly caught ten touchdowns. But you know, he is a veteran guy with you know decent size who can get open. Um, so I don't know. I'm still going to advocate a wait and see on Jericho Cotri, but he could end up being kind of like a wide receiver three in deeper formats. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd like to see what Funches can do down the road, but really. Um, if 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 you're the kind of person who wants to, you know, lo- make lowball trade trade offers, uh, you might want to like uh, see what you can do, throw together throw together some kind of package to to try to get a maybe declining value temporarily. Uh, Greg Olson. All right, moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. They of course beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Julio Jones not practicing on Wednesday for them. They're listing it as a hamstring injury, some leg soreness there. Um, and then it also sounds like he's dealing with some turf burns, obviously playing on the turf in Atlanta. Um, not really a whole lot to worry about here, but I do remember when this play happened. Like I think Julio made a catch. I think it was in the in the Atlanta or in the Philadelphia red zone as Atlanta was driving, and he he kind of limped off the field. And I think he came out for only a play or two, and ended up right back on the field and scored another touchdown and pretty much continued to burn yeah. that Philadelphia defense for the rest of the night. So probably not anything to worry about, but at the same time, definitely something to monitor in case for some reason it would get worse over the next couple of days. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, my my inclination there is that he'll be probably back to, at, at at worst, a limited practice no later than Friday. And, you know, probable, probable designation, it seems likely. But even in, in the, the event that they list him as questionable, I would I would expect him to go. As you pointed out, he was rather productive in week one. And, uh, you know, he I, I don't think it's anything too serious definitely track him but uh yeah i'm not too worried about it right now all right other two guys we're looking at for atlanta devin hester still not practicing he has a turf toe injury didn't play at all in week one sounding like he might not be ready for week two either but not a guy they're going to rush back you know somewhat of a specialist and a luxury to have for yeah a team like atlanta. i mean he's kind of like the fourth receiver there anyway and kind of devin hester we talk about how great of a returner he he used to be or maybe even can be but really not super on the fantasy radar these days yep and the last name there Devonte freeman not listed on the injury report he had a hamstring injury going into week one played but didn't play too well 10 carries only 18 yards did have three catches for 29 yards but tevin coleman looked a little bit more dynamic there for atlanta all right the new orleans saints cj spiller the only big name on the injury report he's still recovering from a knee scope late in camp uh limited at practice wednesday sounds like there's a chance he could play in week two maybe looking more towards week three or four yeah, that, that this is one I actually don't have a good read on. Um, but I would still be a little bit hesitant to deploy him in lineups in his 
first game back from a scope. Um, I, I imagine he'll probably end, end up listed as questionable at the end of the week. Uh, they got Ingram. They got Kyrie Robinson. Um, I definitely think Spiller, when he's up to speed, he's going to be a nice weapon there, you know, especially in PPR formats. But a little bit risky this week. Um, you know, probably closer to 50-50 in terms of will he play. But uh, I, it, I would not, you know, make a, a major investment in daily or bench someone who was productive last week in favor him of him until he like proves that he's back and ready to take a you know pretty big role in the offense. Right, Tampa Bay. They're at New Orleans this week. Mike Evans did not play in Week One and was somewhat of a disaster for Tampa Bay in the battle of rookie quarterbacks. He's limited well, every, at practice still. Th- there's something we can overreact about. Like, yeah, uh, Jameis Winston we, we, we is terrible. Don't need to overreact about this. Marcus Mariota is the greatest quarterback of all time, and that's been proven a fact. after one game. Yes, those are both facts, um, and we probably don't even have to play out the rest of their careers at this point to know that. Uh, but Mike Evans limited at practice Wednesday. Like I said, did not play in week one. A guy that Tampa Bay really needs back at this point. Yeah. I mean, um, when you start in Lewis Murphy in um, you know, week one, it's not always a good thing. It's usually not. And, you know, um, on the plus side, Austin Safarian Jenkins had a really nice game, and he's part of the second-year tight end value crew. You know, that also maybe includes Eric Ebron. So there was at least one positive thing to get in real terms and fantasy terms out of that game, um, you know, from the Bucks' perspective, that is. All right, moving to the NFC North, we'll start in Green Bay. That's probably the matchup of the week that everybody's going to be watching Sunday night. The Seattle Seahawks come to Green Bay. Obviously, these teams have quite a bit of of recent history, I guess. Two big matchups last year, both won by Seattle. Um, this is, I mean, this is going to be a huge game, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this maybe more than anything else. I think a lot of people are. The big name that we're keeping an eye on for Green Bay, Randall Cobb, still being limited at practice. It doesn't sound like he's necessarily limited. It sounds more like the coaching staff is limiting him. Yeah, he got himself a touchdown in week one. Uh, I mean, Devontae Adams actually had more yardage, uh, but... You know, he, he toughed it out. He's going to continue to tough it out. Jordy Nelson is gone. They they need they need him to be in the lineup. Um, I mean, yeah, it is going to be a great matchup. I mean, Seattle, you know, they lost in week one. Uh, and I, I think they're going to be really, you know, fiercely prepared for this game. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, they tend to have good games. And uh, I don't think this one is going to be any different there. Thoughts on Devontae Adams going into this game? A guy who I think disappointed in week one. You know, we, we talked about what a value he was on DraftKings. Um, so maybe not a disappointment relative to the price he was at. But you know, being the number one receiver in, in Aaron Rodgers' offense carries a lot of weight. And he ended up he was Green Bay's leader in targets and yards. So not a, not a bad game. But he didn't get into the end zone where James Jones got twice. Well, and we just said Randall Cobb got in Clearly as well. James Jones is going to score 32 touchdowns this year based on his I, average. The pro- numbers don't lie, Mike. Yeah, so... I don't know. I, I do think that the uh, the trips to the end zone are going to be distributed there. I mean, the tight ends are going to get involved maybe. Obviously, in close, Eddie Lacy can do his job. But, um, yeah, I mean, without Jordy Nelson there, I, I, I think that the uh, the receiver touchdowns are going to there, – there's going to be an even – rather even distribution. Or uh, In other words, James Jones is not going to lead the team in touchdowns, I don't think. No, I, I would be very surprised if that's the case. But – yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit worried. I've Adams on two teams, I think, and it's basically coming down. It's like, do I want to go with him? Do I want to go with Terrence Williams? Do I want to go with Macklin? I think those three guys are all kind of 
iffy. You know, th- there are a lot of question marks after week one. Well, I mean, three. I think that by default, Terrence Williams gets his fair share of targets in week two, and as long as Dez is out. Jeremy Macklin, he looked great in the preseason. And, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey is – I'm not going to compare him to James Jones in too many ways, but obviously, <laughs> you know, two touchdowns a game is not sustainable, nor is a team that doesn't have receivers who catch touchdown passes in regular season games. That Eventually – Something's going to give, and um, I like Macklin's chances of being the guy who gets you know a handful of wide-out touchdowns for the Chiefs. Moving on to the Chicago Bears as we stick with the NFC North, a team that was riddled with injuries at the receiver position throughout preseason and even leading into week one. Marcus Wilson, Eddie Royal, Alshon Jeffrey, none of the three are on the injury list this week. Yes, suddenly they're all better. And um, I mean, even though Eddie Royal kind of burned me in a in a few formats there with his one one catch uh, for eight yard effort in, in week one, it's uh, I think that uh, what we thought we knew before the trio became injured uh, is going to you know be reestablished in advance of week two, and that is Jeffrey's the top target, Royal is a potentially highly targeted guy out of the slot, and remember the guy had. Uh, 15 touchdowns over the last two years with the Chargers, so he's not useless in touchdown formats. Um, (laughs) Which most leagues are. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, PPR, I I really like him, you know. Um, Wilson, jury's still out, but but basically uh, it's it's nice that uh, that that chalkboard that was the, you know, trio of questionable wideouts has been erased, and they're all, at least on paper, healthy heading into week two. So that's, that's good news, and that's just less of a, sort of game-time decision-y headache that the, the Jeffrey thing was kind of shaping up to be. All right, the Detroit Lions, they're in Minnesota this week for an NFC North uh, interdivision battle. Brandon Pettigrew didn't practice with a hamstring injury. doesn't really matter because Eric Ebron is the pretty clear number one tight end at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, really, Pettigrew's you know, been around for a while, and as long as Ebron's healthy, he's, he's just not going to be on the radar. But, uh, you know, um, depth guys can be helpful down the road yes absolutely golden tate did not practice on wednesday sounds like he's questionable at least he's being listed as questionable uh for week two kind of a quiet week for him kind of a quiet week for calvin johnson and and this detroit offense i mean they put up a decent amount of points against san diego um got out to a fast start and just sputtered it basically from quarters basically the entire second and third quarter they stopped moving the ball ended up kind of making a little bit closer at the end but i was a little bit disappointed in golden tate Four catches, 24 yards on eight targets. That was a team high. Even more disappointing than Calvin Johnson, only four targets for arguably well, a guy who still could be the best receiver. That's just not going to last. You know I that. mean, it's not going to last, but I mean, how, do you, how do you let that happen again? I mean, a, San Diego is, is a solid defense, but, I mean, there's not like he was being locked down by Darrell Rivas. Well, I mean, you, this is a classic case of you don't bench your, your, your stars. And Calvin Johnson, as long as he's healthy, and he appears to be now, um, you just— you can't you can't bench him now. Golden Tate is, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, down, as as the week progresses, there. You know, the fact that he uh, sat out the practice isn't super encouraging. But I, I I'm not getting a a clear vibe on you know like fears that he's going to miss the game or whatever. But uh, yeah, you know, um, I wouldn't overreact to that. Detroit Detroit has some nice pieces in the offense. Those two wideouts, Ebron, Stafford can be a decent quarterback at times, and then you know. Their running back situation is a little bit of a headache, but with Abdullah there uh, and Bell, you know, healthy, I, I think they're they're well set up, you know, for a bounce back there. They they uh, 
they just didn't get it done in week one, at least in exciting fashion. Yeah, I still really like this offense. A ton of weapons to work with there. One of those is Abdullah, who you just mentioned. He had more touches, 11, than both um, Joyke Bell and Theo Riddick combined. They only had 10. And not surprisingly, he kind of did more with he those touches. He did do more. He, he looked like one of the best players on the field when he had the ball in his hands. Seven carries for 50 yards and a touchdown, and then four receptions for 44 yards. So, I mean, he looked even more spry than I remember him. I and mean, he was he was a pretty agile back coming out of Nebraska, but he... He was putting moves out there that, I mean, you just don't really see quite as much in the NFL. So I was very impressed by Abdullah. I assume you were as well? Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember one play in preseason where I was just like, whoa. And yeah. uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's got that whoa factor. I mean, exactly. Joyke Bell is a useful back um, in real and often in fantasy terms. But, uh, yeah, as long as they give Abdullah the touches, and I don't see why they wouldn't, he is going to be a, a fun player to watch, fun player to own. But it may take a little while before the obvious, you know, outcome, which is he's the, the lead guy, occurs. You know, they're they're not going to just phase Bell out instantly. I think it'll be kind of a gradual process. But uh, it's you know, you it is all about the stats, Nick. But sometimes is, isn't it just fun to like own guys that are cool to watch like it that, is you yeah know? exactly it really is i mean at the top of the draft you don't want to let that shade who you pick too closely but once it starts getting into the later rounds and you can kind of pick and choose guys who you loved in college or guys who are a little bit more dynamic like that and it, it does make it a lot more fun i agree all right moving to the minnesota vikings nothing really to report here on the offensive side of the ball as far as injuries um obviously a very disappointing week one from adrian peterson and a guy who most people i think were expecting a huge bounce back year not to mention a bounce back week one after sitting out last season I mean is this kind of another Calvin Johnson situation where you see a kind of a low usage just never really got into the groove of the game where it's just not going to happen again well I mean Calvin Johnson I think is just Calvin Johnson he will bounce back they will target him Adrian Peterson um it I don't think it's time to like completely panic I mean the guy basically hasn't hadn't played in a, in a, in a real game for a year and um you know they they didn't unleash him in the preseason and, uh, I mean, I just think it was a rust factor. I mean, the, the the reports coming out of, you know, Vikings camp earlier were that he was in great shape and he, lo- you know, looked like his, he had the fresh legs and everything. But, uh, you know, watching that game, which unless you're, you're focused on Carlos Hyde, there wasn't a whole lot to look at uh, generally, you know, in terms of excitement there. Looking at that game, he just um, he lacked decisiveness and burst. Uh, but I, I just think that that was kind of a, you know, him getting his feet wet. Um, and, and I think that once he, you know, gets into the groove, I mean, obviously the Vikings were in no sort of groove of any kind in that game. And uh, more importantly, you know, every once in a while, Peterson just gets one of those, like, runs where gets to the hole and he's just gone. I, I think it's going to take one, you know, like, confidence-building run to get him back in the groove. As long as he's healthy and he appears to be, um, you know, he'll bounce back. But, yeah, it was it was kind of concerning to, like, just see how not uh, decisive he looked in his, in his, in his cuts. And it, it, just, it just... Well, 10 like carries. It, I think the bigger thing is just the, is just the 10 carries. Obviously, Minnesota was playing from behind it for most of the second half. But I don't think it was ever really to the point where you felt like they had to pass on every down, and especially when you have a guy like Adrian Peterson back there and only two catches and three targets in the in the receiving game. So just... The, the overall lack of impact, it wasn't that he looked bad to me or looked rusty necessarily. I think it was just 
he's a guy that needs volume carries. He's a guy that yeah. needs to set the tone for an offense, and I don't think he ever really got that chance. But I think there was a f- couple times where like he kind of like looked around and maybe thought instead of just running mm-hmm. like you know Adrian Peterson does. Right, and, and that's what you see arm. when you when you see a, a long run of only nine yards. You know, he was just never able to to make cuts decisively enough and get upfield and run north and south. All right, finishing out the NFC North, that does. We'll go to the NFC West. St. Louis is at Washington this week, a matchup, like I said, you have to like in, in a, almost any kind of pick'em format. Um, Todd Gurley making headlines for St. Louis this week. Could he be back sooner than expected? I mean, it sounds like he, well, he was practicing with the first team on Wednesday. Uh, Jeff Fisher was you know, kind of wishy-washy I, I on his think, status. I um, think we should backpedal a little bit. I think he saw some reps with the first team. Uh, Trey Mason, I believe, did too. Um, I mean, yeah, Gurley was listed as a full participant. That's great news. But I'm not sure they're quite ready to. I mean, if there's no reason to. Yeah, I don't know. You're if, going up I against don't, Washington. Don't know if he's going to be active. And even if he is active, as much as I like him and and I do own him in a couple of places, um, I think it'd be kind of risky to start him this week. But man, oh yeah. Um, if I was thinking before that you might not, you know, really start to uh, enjoy the production till maybe week six. You know, at this rate, I'm, I'm thinking maybe week four is maybe the week that you could think about start using him. I could be wrong, but it's going to it's gonna be risky. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how the Rams list him um, at the end of the week. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be he'll, they'll list him as que- questionable at best, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, the clock is running out now on my, my rental of Benny Cunningham, and I think it, it might only be one or two more weeks until I have to go back to the, the Yeldon-Denard Robinson well, you know, backfield in the Roto League. But before you know, you say goodbye to Benny Cunningham. He he does catch passes, and there is value. He's a, he's a coach's dream. He's an owner's dream. Um, he does it all. <laughs> How encouraged were you by Tavon Austin in this game? And this is a guy who's listed as a receiver. And you look at his receiving stats: two catches for negative two yards. Yep, not encouraging. But did run one in out of the backfield. Uh, pretty much showcasing exactly what he's about, you know, taking his, taking a, a direct. He, he got like four carries, seventeen yards, one right. TD, and he and like he, like you said, he he ran a return back. But like, that's a nice weapon, you know, guy that can make plays. But uh, if you're considered kind of a versatile player there, and one of your assignments might be the occasional carry. Well, we just talked about Gurley, and he's. Austin is I think just he'll be, be he'll be taking up a lot of the occasional. Yeah, carries. he he might see the occasional uh, carry himself. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. and you know Austin, yeah, he'll get he'll get the occasional touch out of the backfield, and anything can happen as we saw in week one. But you know when the guy's not being targeted heavily um, in the passing game, that's that's a concern given his position. I mean, I still think that he they can and should find ways to get him, you know, some short to intermediate targets and just see what he can do with the ball in his hands. But uh, I just need to see more consistent volume there mm-hmm. uh, to really consider him a reliable, um, you know, weapon on that team. Even though Brian Quick, bit of a su- surprise scratch in Week One, I don't even think he was on the injury report. But he did did have that nasty shoulder injury last year, and uh, I guess they're going to ease him back. All right, let's get through the rest of the NFC West here quickly. Forty ers the only. Uh, player of note on the injury report Wednesday, Reggie Bush considered week to week with a strained calf. He only saw two carries in this game. Obviously, Carlos Hyde kind of stole the the storylines out of the backfield there, and it looks like they really found something in him. Um, Jared Hain, more carries than Reggie Bush. He had four for 13, so probably not a lot of value to be found in Bush this season. The Seahawks, they, of course, are at Green Bay on Sunday night, like we said. 
Camp Chancellor still out as those contract uh, negotiations and, and the subsequent holdout continue. Tyler Lockett, I wanted to ask you about him, but I feel like you're going to have the same answer that you did about Tavon Austin. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I'm pretty sure that Doug Baldwin and, and you know, Jermaine Curse uh, dominated the targets there. and Jimmy Graham. Yeah, Jimmy Graham too, but, uh, you know, t- among the wideouts. But, right. yeah, I mean, first first return in his career, boom, takes it to the house. Um, yeah, I mean, Seattle, we as we know, is kind of a Marshawn Lynch-fueled offense. Um, you know, Russell Wilson – um, does does his share of running as well, and I, I do really like Tyler Lockett. He's a very exciting player, but in that offense, he's going to be kind of hit or miss. And w- when it's hit, it's going to be fun. But there's probably going to be a lot of weeks where there's not much going on there. All right, finishing out the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals. They're in Chicago this Sunday. Andre Ellington practiced on a limited basis. He's dealing with a PCL sprain. Um, we kind of knew about this on Monday. Sounds like it's, it's a little more optimistic, at least, than it was earlier in the week. They won't rule him out at this point. Um, initially, there was a one- to three-week timetable. I mean, what, what is your feeling on this? Do you think he's going to play? I don't think so, but, you know, we'll, we'll see it as the week goes along. But uh, they, they seem pretty confident with, uh, you know, going with Chris Johnson as, as the top back uh, if Ellington can't play. And then uh, David Johnson, you know, talk about another guy that, you know, got the one touch and, and it was electric, um, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to rush Ellington back. He's he's got a pretty extensive injury history there, and there's not a whole lot of upside to rushing him back when they have at least capable options in the backfield. And that was, you know, signing Chris Johnson has already sort of paid some dividends. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. In week two, DraftKings will be hosting the biggest fantasy football contest ever, giving out over $10 million in prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE, that's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. You can play for free at your shot at $1 million in cash prizes in the Week 2 Play Action Contest. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, let's move on to the AFC East, Mike, and we will start with your New England Patriots. Yes. Well, all of a sudden looks like a very tough road matchup against a Buffalo team that I think shocked a lot of people by really handling Indianapolis in week one. And not a lot of injuries for the Patriots. Obviously, that's a positive heading into week two. Um, I just just want to touch on LeGarrette Blunt. He's officially reinstated Saturday after serving that one-game suspension. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're they're probably just going to um, you know, go with him as the lead back, uh, the early down guy. Deion Lewis is definitely going to need to establish some sort of third down role there, change of pace. Um, Traveris Cadet, not even sure he's going to be active. Bolden is kind of going to revert to a, a backup role. I mean, I do believe that Blunt is going to see his share of carries. Obviously, that's not the most ideal matchup there. You know, the Bills prove that they are as tough a defense as uh, their coach wants them to be. And I was less surprised that they looked good and more surprised that, you know, the Colts looked so bad. But I do think that that's a, a product of a, a, a really nasty defense. And, um, you know, the Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick is pretty good at the game planning. And um, he's going he's gonna to come up with some game plan that, uh, you know, gives the Patriots the best possible chance of winning. I do think that Blunt, you know, trying to, uh, you know, establish a run game is going to be an early part of it. All right, moving on to the Bills, who we just said do face off against New England this Sunday. Percy Harvin and Marquise Goodwin both did not practice on Wednesday. 
Um, are you really worried about either of these um, guys? Well, Goodwin's not really a fantasy consideration, but Percy Harvin, I think last week uh, he did not practice Wednesday. They characterized it as more of a rest thing, even though he was designated as having a hip issue, and that's also the case this week. He actually had a pretty solid game in week one, and I don't think that it's a, you know, he aggravated or anything like that. I think it might just be, you know, resting him because there's a slight, you know, lingering issue there. But as long as he's back at practice Thursday, and I expect he will be, he should be out there. All right, last note from the Bills. Bryce Brown was released, excuse me, on Tuesday. So it looks like Carlos Williams is pretty much locked into that uh, RB2 spot behind LaShawn McCoy. Shady went for 51 yards on 17 carries in week one. Carlos Williams, 55 yards and a touchdown and only six carries. Yeah, and, um, you know, um, Deshaun, uh, LaShawn McCoy there uh, went into the game, you know, with that hamstring issue. And it was pretty much, you know, understood that he was going to play. I believe he went into the game listed as probable. Uh, but he all along was saying, yeah, I'm not, sh- not sure I'm going to be 100%. And, you know, he probably wasn't. And uh, he's not on the injury report this week. I don't know if that means he's back to 100% or they're just he's just going to play and he's going to play through it. But, uh, yeah, the fact that he's not on the injury report is highly encouraging. And the fact that Carlos Williams is kind of a solid-looking number two back is – it's good to know. I mean, it's a little tough to, like, you know, roll with them in a lineup. But if something happens to McCoy, then you know who to get. All right, the Miami Dolphins, they face a tough road battle at Everbank <laughs> Field against the Jaguars in Week 2. Uh, Deion Sims, their backup tight end, didn't practice with a concussion. Doesn't really matter with Jordan Cameron firmly. And, and, and the way the Jaguars just cannot – I mean, they, the way they contain tight ends. Oh, right. I mean, it's it, you might as well not even throw one out there after what they did to, to Greg Olson in Week 1. Um, a guy I wanted to touch on very quickly, Devontae Parker, not injured right now, uh, was injured throughout camp, started in week one, wasn't targeted at well, all. One, one snap. One snap. Yeah. Wasn't and targeted, didn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's going to take a while. You know, number 14 pick overall in the draft there. Uh, it's going to happen, but, you know, Jarvis Landry, Greg Jennings, Kenny Stills are there. Uh, they don't really need to rush him. Um yeah, so patience is uh, what you're going to have to exercise with him. I mean, if you drafted him, it's way too early to cut bait. You know, you got but you got to stash him at your bench on your bench for a while now. All right, nothing to report from the Jets. They play on Monday night at Indianapolis. So we'll move to the AFC South. The Jaguars, like we just said, they host Miami in Week Two. Allen Robinson practicing in full. He was listed as having a knee injury. Briefly left the game in Week One. Uh, looks like he should be fine. Yeah, he played I think sixty snaps in the game, and, and you know he wasn't gone for long. Even though he only got one catch, he was targeted six times. I mean, I think uh, I think he'll uh, bounce back in Week Two. I mean, it's worth noting that um, Allen Hearns caught five passes in that game, and Rashad Green. 13 targets, seven catches for a big 27 yards. But, you know, that's uh, PPR uh, interest there. You know, you were kind of laughing at me when I, when I mentioned him as a, as a I so was deep not. sleeper. We, we, a, I feel like we had this debate yesterday in the office. I have been all over Rashad Green. I really think you're mistaking me with someone else. <laughs> I, I am very pro Rashad Green. Like you said, there, he led the Jags in targets. Um, you know, there is a, several Knicks in the office. There are. And, and There's too many. Are, yeah. Maybe it was another Nick, and maybe I'm it's very possible. someone who doesn't love the Jaguars. And yeah, I'm sorry to get so defensive here, Mike, but don't you dare well, talk about Rashard. Right, like I that. just think it's kind of cool, though, that the guy got 13 targets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, so he only only had seven catches, but um, 
yeah, I mean, um, there's going to, like I said, there's going to be some value there in, in the PPR leagues. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's a guy that's actually on the injury report right now, listed as having a back injury. He took a really hard hit. Yeah, they were um, talking concussion at first, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, well, it was a situation where he he plays in the slot, so he kind of I think he ran a quick out and was kind of waiting for the ball to come to him, and as soon as it touched him, he got just rocked in the back. And, you know, one of those injuries where it looks like for a second you basically just fold up in half right. uh, when you get hit in the back. So, I mean, his neck snapped back pretty heavily, uh, probably dealing with quite a bit of bruising, I would imagine, on the back. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. Sounds like Marquise Lee could play in week two. He's been hurt since I think it was the fifth day of training camp, finally back at practice on Wednesday. Yeah, but do you really want to, no. like, uh, roll with him even Absolutely if he not. does Hell suit no. up? But well the, well, the note is here, if, if Marquise Lee plays, and when he does play, whether it's this week or probably week three at the latest – he probably unseats Rashad Green, at least for now, as that number three receiver. Yeah, but does he, I mean, doesn't Green still kind of do the slot stuff? Uh, well, and- I, th- I think Lee is supposed to be the slot guy. I think that's where they want him. But, I mean, Green was good enough in week one. has been good enough throughout camp. I mean, he's a guy that came in with about as, as much experience as you're going to get at the college level. Great route runner, you know, good possession guy. He's going to work into the rotation. I'm just saying 13 targets in week one. Yeah, well, I, He's probably not going to get, yeah. he might not top 10 the rest of the season. So, well, he's worth a look. It's a bad offense. He has a bad quarterback who played horrendously in week one. So if you, can, if you can't tell, I'm not extremely encouraged about this well, Jags offense. I want to say that, um, you know, I think that uh, when Lee is sort of ready to go, it's probably going to affect Robinson and Hearns maybe a little bit more. Um, I mean, Alan Hearns is a guy that just, you know, people keep on forgetting about. And I mean, he five catches for 60 yards, that's not like awesome, but it's also not useless either. Uh, what do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Alan Hearns. I think he was a little bit spotty last year when he had, what, two big weeks. I think that kind of kept people afloat. You know, kind of if, if you if you grabbed him after week one, he was manageable for the rest of the season. I think he had one more 100-yard effort. But there's just nothing special about him, I guess, to me. I think he can be productive in a smaller role. But, I, I mean, he's not a guy that you want to be your number one receiver. Yeah, I agree. But, like, it, it just seems like, uh, you know, the, the drafted guys just get more hype than him, and he just keeps on, you know, doing some sort of Jaguars Timex thing there. Yeah, I mean, well, you never know. I mean, the draft thing, that is a good point because, I mean, Hearns was – was he undrafted or was he a yeah, seventh he rounder? Un- undrafted. Undrafted out of Miami, yeah. I and mean, I think that – I think that can kind of work against him, you know, in, in the in the fact that you have guys that you that you drafted in Green and Robinson and Lee that you know you have an investment made in those guys where you want to make sure that you're going to give them every chance possible to Especially succeed and, and get the, exactly you want to get the return on the investment. Whereas with Hearns, it's like you know if if he ends up not working out, you you didn't really lose that much on him. You know, you're probably paying him a minimum salary. It's just not that much to lose. So you want to give those those you know second round picks and Robinson and Lee especially every chance to succeed and. Maybe that comes at the expense of Hearns a little bit, but I don't know. He's not a guy that I get super excited about. Okay, fair enough. And right. if you can't get excited about a Jacksonville Jaguar, <laughs> exactly. who exactly. can? I, I've learned my lesson over the years, if, if you will. So let's just say I had, I had expectations for the first time in years this Sunday, and they were thoroughly crushed by about midway through the third quarter. A uh, couple more Jags notes. Toby Gerhardt didn't practice. He's still dealing with the abdominal injury that kept but him out I don't think one. we care about that. Do not care. Could not yep. care less. I mean— yeah, T.J. Eldon, Denard Robinson, you yep. know. Julius, th- excuse me, Julius Thomas practiced in a limited fashion, which was a little bit odd to see a guy who's not expected back until week four, you know, out there running around on Wednesday. Yeah, at least I mean, staying I think, in shape, I, I think. think that's it. You know, like a guy's got a, you know, bad hand or a bad finger. Uh, he can still run around, do some drills as long as there's no, like, pass catching involved. Right. So, 
Yeah, I mean, there's. I, I think the uh, the reports were that he's going to be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. So by definition, that sort of rules him out at least until week four, which was the original timetable. And then, I mean, what happens in two weeks? Is it like okay, you're good to go? Yeah, they just get like we're not looking at your finger until two weeks, no matter what. So I I wonder if the the week four thing is really going to happen. We'll see. But and it, we do, we at least know he's probably. Yeah, I mean, he's out for at least the next two games anyway. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So that means Mercedes Lewis, who I who has another I'm so glad I pumped up on the Friday DFS podcast. I don't even think he was – I think he maybe was targeted once. Definitely didn't have a catch. Isn't he, the, like, a prime candidate for a bounce back as a result? He's he's prime for a bounce back career, I think, at this point. He's six or seven years, maybe even more deep into his Jags career and uh, a bit of a disappointment uh, after being first a first-round round pick. pick. yeah. yeah. The Houston Texans, they're at Carolina this week. Nate Washington had a big week one. He was limited in practice with an ab injury. Um, the bigger news, I guess, for the Texans is Ryan Mallett is in line to start over Brian yeah. Hoyer this week. Hoyer made it through, what, a little over half of this game before being yeah, pulled? Yeah, patience and- is a virtue, except uh, for Bill O'Brien in the quarterback situation. It's like the drama didn't stop when the, the hard knocks cameras uh, were turned off, I guess. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so the, you know, the last note from the Texans is just continuing to wait on Arian Foster. No real updates yeah. on him recently. Um, yeah, and you know, but I'll, I'll mention quickly. You know, Mallet, he's got the strong arm. So, uh, you know, that's that's interesting for um, you know guys like Washington who can go deep a little bit. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a great first week. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's kind of like the backup uh, former Patriots backup collection there, and. Uh, the the proven uh, you know whatever Hoyer did last year with the Browns uh, you know I thought that they were going to at least give him a few games but you know we'll see. All right, the Indianapolis Colts they have the Monday night game against the Jets. Um, T. Y. Hilton obviously the name to keep an eye on here. Yeah, he's uh, considered day to day with a, a bruised knee and uh, yeah, he's truly iffy at this point. Um, I mean, it would be nice if by Friday we had a an accurate read one way or the other like yeah he's probably not gonna play or yeah he's looking good but this could very well go go down to some kind of game time decision there so unless you have kind of philip dorsett or dante moncrief handy to plug in it's a little bit risky probably all right moving to the afc north let's get through these quickly Le'Veon bell still suspended just a reminder for week two there d'angelo williams had a nice week one 127 yards on 21 carries so he looks like a strong play against that San Francisco D. Martavis Bryant also still suspended. He's out four games, so a little bit of a wait there for his owners. Marcus Wheaton and Darius Hayward Bay obviously will continue to reap the extra targets there. No other injuries to report though from Pittsburgh. Yeah, not really. Um, I mean, D'Angelo had the big game there in Week One, and the Forty Niners, um, you know, defense looked pretty solid in Week One. But uh, I definitely like the way D'Angelo ran and. Um, you know, you get one more good week out of him this week, then stash him on the bench. I wouldn't necessarily advise cutting him unless you need to, because if anything happens to Bell, then you have a really solid running back there. All right, the Cleveland Browns, they're hosting Tennessee this week. Dwayne Bow limited in practice Wednesday. He was inactive for week one. I mean, does this really matter? Well, I mean, I think down the road they kind of have a, a vision for what Dwayne Bow can do for Cleveland, but... Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen, you know, immediately, obviously. And, um, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, buyer's remorse maybe, you know, with that $9 million guaranteed. 
I but think I, so. But, I mean, he, he did, to be fair to him, he did uh, apparently sustain some kind of setback in practice last week, according to Coach Mike Pettin. Uh He ended up being inactive. Limited this week. Um, you know, I think a wait-and-see approach is, is, is prudent there. They got Hartline. They got Hawkins, some other guys. So, uh, you know, n- no rush for to, 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 to get Dwayne Bowe and his zero touchdowns from last year back into the lineup. All right, Josh McCown started this game and ended up being knocked out on, I really don't even know how to describe that play where he was just kind of a rag doll getting thrown around at the goal line there. Um, so he's got a concussion. Mike Pettin says he won't practice until he Friday. He made me look like earliest. a total psychic in the office on yeah. Sunday. I I walked out, you know, into the uh, the bullpen there, saw him scramble on one play. I said, guys, here's my, here's my random prediction of the week. Uh, McCown's going to get knocked out of this game, and Johnny Football is going to be behind center, you know, rather quickly. And you know, the eye rolls followed, and the next thing you know, he's concussed. It, it just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's likely to be alive after that hit. Honestly, I mean, a concussion I think was the best case scenario. The way that went it, down, it wasn't a good look. Uh, it was not. Know, but like, even the uh, the time before he got the concussion, I was like, what's he doing? And um, yeah, uh, I mean, Johnny Manziel, as as you're. You're probably going to mention there um, dealing with a little bit of an elbow issue there, but I think that's something that they're just going to manage and it's not going to keep him out. They're uh, sort of keep, he's a guy that's on a pitch count. They just don't want to like, you know, throw out his arm during the week, but it, it's, uh, you know, McCown's not going to practice before Friday. So no decisions can be made before then, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just let him sit this week and Johnny Manziel gets the start. Uh, moving on to the Ravens, they're in Oakland this week. Lorenzo Taliaferro practiced Wednesday. He'll probably be the the, the running back two and three, kind of splitting with Javorius Allen there beside, uh, behind excuse me, Justin Forsett. Yeah, he practiced fully, so it looks like there's a decent chance he could be available. But uh, yeah, you don't need to you don't need to start him unless Justin Forsett can't play. And guess what? He was limited today uh, at practice. I don't know. This that, was an that, odd one. This kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. So either. It was just something that beat writers missed, or maybe it was an in-practice injury. We'll find out tomorrow, or or maybe later tonight. Definitely keep an eye on that situation. I wouldn't. I'm not going to make a call one or the other. I would be surprised if Forsett misses the game, but uh, just the the way he popped up there makes it. You know, I'm, I'm red flagging that a little bit just to just to pay attention to it closely. Yep. Two more quick notes from the Ravens: Brashad Perriman, the rookie wide receiver. Did not practice on Wednesday. Didn't play in week one. Still dealing with a, a nagging knee injury. Yeah, I don't think he's practiced since, like, July 30th. It's been a while. And uh, he's, there's talk that he may not be back till October. So just, uh, you know, remember remember him at the end of the September is maybe a, you know, a pickup if he's been let go. But nothing short-term there in, yep. the, in the good news department. Yeah, and one of the biggest IDPs, Terrell Suggs. I'm sure that everyone's probably heard about this by now. Torn Achilles, done for the season. So... Just a quick note there if you are in an IDP league. Yeah, and it's also a, a hit to the uh, Ravens team defense as well. Yep. I mean, he's a big leader there. Um, I mean, they'll, they they have some other good players there, but that is that that is a, a hit to their team D for sure. All right, the Bengals, not really much to talk about there. No suspension for Pac-Man Jones. Big week one for him. Ten tackles, one forced fumble, uh, one helmet shove of Amari Cooper. Uh, and what was one of the more like violent on-field confrontations that you'll see in the NFL, that's saying a lot. Uh, I thought, you know, given his history and everything, this was going to be a one-gamer, but looks like he'll he'll avoid that. So the the Cincinnati Team D 
uh, you know, remains intact as they face San Diego this week. Move to the AFC West quickly, the final division that we'll talk about here. Um, the Denver Broncos, they get the Thursday night game interdivision um, at Kansas City. Peyton Manning practiced on Wednesday, listed as probable for Thursday with a back injury. I mean, this is he's going to play. Yeah, he's been, like, cracking jokes on TV about, you know, the, the whole injury report process there. Uh, you know, there's larger concern there is, like, does does his arm still have uh, what, what it needs to be Peyton Manning of, of old and or, or old Peyton Manning? So... We'll see. I mean, that's uh, the Thursday night game is a it's pretty high profile. They're, you know, him and Alex Smith have the stage there. So, uh, you know, we're all going to get to see, you know, and focus on, you know, is he throwing the ducks? How does he look out there? Uh, you know, more than just, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I'm really going to be, like, watching that arm strength issue. And um, I think uh, fantasy owners should as well. All right, Kansas City Chiefs, the team that will be playing Denver. Um, Albert Wilson dealing with a shoulder injury. He's probable on Thursday, practiced throughout the week. Um, oh, I missed some Broncos here, didn't yeah, I? I, I totally missed that. that. Yes, that's, I did. That's okay. I did. Um, so we'll go back to the Broncos real quickly. Demarius Thomas, he practiced in full. Um, he was dealing with a minor yeah, he's, hand he's injury. He's good to go. C.J. Anderson listed as questionable uh, with both ankle and toe injuries. Didn't practice on Monday, limited on Tuesday and Wednesday. Sounds like he's going to play, but if he doesn't, Ronnie Hillman's the guy there. Right, and I think Ronnie Hillman has definitely earned a portion of the carries no matter what, and especially with Anderson a little bit banged up. I mean, they pretty much split the carries in week one, and suddenly Anderson's gone from, like, you know, top 10 lock to, you know, he's still serviceable, but Ronnie Hillman, he's uh, he's looked good overall. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely check the inactives there because I think Anderson's playing, but it's not, a, you know, it's not a lock. All right, three guys for the Chiefs that I briefly half touched on before reversing course there and going back to Denver. Well, they have 14 guys listed as probable. That means they're all going to play. That's a lot. That's you know? a lot. Albert Wilson, Travis Kelsey, Jeremy Macklin, all practiced, all probable for Thursday's game. So three um, of the primary weapons there, especially Kelsey and Macklin, all should be good to go. San Diego's at Cincinnati. Nothing of note for the Chargers. Antonio Gates remains suspended for four games. So you know, continue to pump up Ladarius Green. And we'll finish out with the Oakland Raiders, who host Baltimore. Derek Carr practiced on Wednesday. Sounds like he made quite a bit of improvement yep. over the Thumbs last few days. Thumbs up on Derek Carr. Thumb is literally up. Sounds like he's good to go. And, you know, our apologies go out to all the Matt McGloin owners <laughs> out there who were scrambling to grab him off of waivers on Monday. Um, it looks like Carr is going to be good to go. Yeah, you look at two. that uh, brutal week one box score for the Raiders there, and uh, then you realize that it was mostly the Matt McGloin show. So... We'll see, you know, like uh, guys like Amari Cooper, uh, Crabtree, the, the the two tight ends there. Um, I mean, obviously Cooper, no no one's giving up on him, but I I want to see what he does with a full game of of Derek Carr at quarterback, and um, yeah, that should be fun. Um, you know, uh, Carr, you know, hurt the thumb doing a stiff arm on an opponent. You know, with his throwing arm, not necessarily the most well advised play, but Looks like he dodged a bullet there. It could have been a lot worse. All right, I think that's all we have for today, Mike. Thanks again for joining me, and thank you for listening to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. We are brought to you by DraftKings.com. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. Be sure to use that promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. When you make your deposit on DraftKings.com, you can get a free contest entry today. And also, we need to plug Roto-Wire. Um, if you're not a subscriber to the website, you can go to rotowire.com slash free, or you can go to rotowire.com slash pod. 
there are many ways to get free access to the site. Either of those uh, URLs will get you 10 free days of access. No payment info or anything is required And then we there. get you hooked on the site, and yes. then hopefully you're a subscriber for life. Yes, exactly. That is that is the plan. Um, so, you know, it doesn't always work out, but oftentimes it does. A lot of great content on there, uh, especially this time of year, you know, with the NFL in full swing. We got articles going up like crazy. We got, you know, value meters. We have the Ask an Expert feature where you can basically submit any question you like, and then one of our experts will go in there and, and help you with your lineup decision. So a lot to like there. Um, thanks again for listening, and we will be back with you. Well, you and I will be back next Wednesday, but the Rotowire podcast is Monday through Friday, so the podcast itself will be back with you on Thursday. Thanks, Nick.